I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 270 with Samuel Barnes. It is Pura Vida Pursuits in a Global Transition. Once again, well met, Samuel. So happy to be here, Raphael. Oh, and Jim is coming in and out. This is what you get for Wi-Fi in Costa Rica, sweating in the sun whilst I can enjoy the winter cool of Vienna. <laughs> Jim, you're good with your connection? <laughs> you just got to unmute yourself, Jim. Oh, and we still can't hear you, which is, of course, a great show. as a great start for a live show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it goes for one thing to show that there are several different Costa Ricas in this small country. Uh, oh, are you in the well-connected part in terms of Wi-Fi and internet? <laughs> um, you know, it's not it's not like some regions where there is literally fiber that comes straight from Los Angeles on the Pacific Coast, but just overall, um, where I live and I've lived since uh, the start of 2021 is uh, it's a thousand meters up on a mountain. So the climate is more like Vienna in the summertime, like 24, I don't know, even though, you know, and um, right along a big river, but only 30 minutes from the Pan American Highway. So fairly accessible and like with amenities down the road, which I guess has, has meant for me that I've been able to conduct an, an online job, no problem from here. Jim, we still can't hear you. It took me a while. <laughs> our connection. Maybe our you connection can drive without video, Jim. Fine. No, I don't think that's the problem right now. He just he's just muted somehow. So Jim, just rejoin or try something along those lines. You're muted somewhere, Jim. <laughs> can't tell you where. I'm sorry. Up up to now, you were perfectly audible. <laughs> You have to rejoin, Jim. There's something in your settings or somewhere. <laughs> well, Sam, what have you been up to? Um, it's been an interesting year since I think the last time I came on was possibly right at the start of 2021. Um, and so I think it was in January. Um, at that time, I had just met my partner. Um, and in this year, we've sort of navigated this, uh, what was a down year and, a, and, a, and an off year for many. It was probably 
without a doubt, the best year of my life, you know, traveled to many countries, Guatemala, Mexico, Canada, United States. So really just on my side of the world, but, um, I, you know, perhaps most importantly, I continued, of course, my work as an astrologer, body made of stars, sort of like coalesced around a platform. Um, and perhaps most importantly, I, um, retooled and after winning a bet that against Trumpers, this is, this is like really a, a very funny way to start my current career path is I bet people who were so convinced that there would be a successful coup and that Trump would be the president on January 21st. And they paid me three Ethereum for the bet. And that got me started <laughs> on a track that led me to founding an NFT gallery called Regen FT with a good friend and business partner uh, in Berkeley. And from there, getting recruited by one of the leading Ethereum ventures called Open Zeppelin to be the community manager for their upcoming decentralized venture, uh, which we call Forta. So now I have this, like, you know, suddenly working in a, a really interesting part of the tech world, doing it completely remote and sort of just living my life uh, with this river, you know. Jim, we still can't hear you. Either you're muted somewhere in here or you're muted um, technically or you have to reconnect your headphones or some, something in your system is not working. But now, now you're audible, but very low. Yeah, now it's, it's just low volume. Now you're gone again, Jim. How long have you been doing this while Jim's been in Costa Rica? We have it. Oh, but now you're audible. Jim, you figured it out. What did you do? Uh, just work my Gemini magic. Um, no, we haven't fucked with this. I took two weeks off. I've been settling <laughs> in. Uh, I'm hanging out with a guest who was on with the Chilagua episodes. You might have heard them when I was in gold coast in 2020 um he's actually in la yeah uh and yeah just a lot of crazy things i'm just kind of doing work stay here but uh we'll catch up on that in a second have you done the uh, card Raphael, or the blip i wasn't privy to that no no we haven't been to the cards yet so you we've got to go <laughs> my answer was no jim you're good to go we can start with the cards <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it is the 270th episode that reduces to a nine. Uh, if you want to read the blip after this, Rafa, you totally can. But uh, yeah, that's the Hermit card. I bring back knowledge from distant places, as Sam was mentioning. He's doing quite a bit abroad, as am I. Rafael's holding down Vienna. The Alien card in this deck, the David DeAngelis deck, he's been on the podcast a few times, shout out. Uh, is the hermit card. It's knowing your worth. You are perfect the way you are. Be free, seek answers within you, and go deeper to understand more of the universe by taking the time to do something you've never done before. Raphael, what card do you got? Oh, and once again, we already had this one also already. <laughs> once again, it's the art card, Temperance, 14. Recombining yourself after ego death. <laughs> I just ate mushrooms for the past two weeks, so I feel that a little. 
uh been some interesting stuff awesome. as sam might know yeah mushrooms are quite abundant down here a lot of cow shit and a lot of humidity so between that hermit card uh you're such a cancerian you're in the kitchen eating and shit um what would you say would resonate with those cards uh the the hermit card and whatever Raphael had i couldn't quite hear but i know we've had it before he was talking about ego death and artistry it was temperance temperance okay yeah. makes sense or art in the, the Crowleyan and then the Wizard of Odd. Um, so, and you know, I want to add to that too, because just before we started the podcast, I pulled a card from my um, Vincente Sforza, you know, that, that recreation of the original, original Italian deck from 1484. And uh, I pulled out the moon. Nice. Um, Almost a full moon which here. Is appropriate because here comes a full moon. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess it's she's still in Leo today, but but the full moon's incoming. Um, really, to me, you know, resonates both with mountains. Uh, you know, in you you further north in Costa Rica, but me here, nestled into the nook uh, in Chimarol de Rivas and Chiripo, along the great Rio Chiripo. And um, and then temperance, yeah, two sevens, you know, two sevens clash, two sevens meet. The 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 fourteen card, um, really speaking to a fascinating uh, merger that is underway, you know, between. I you know you know what it, you know what it reminds me of it's the upcoming equinox, uh, where the balance of light and dark is is cast across the entire earth. Um, and about yeah, a man, week away. How's how's hermit? Life? Oh, I, yeah. uh, it's, it's doing all right here. I mean, I'll briefly catch up. Like I said, I'm hanging out, uh, just doing work stay. I was going to go, I got a hundred dollar one-way ticket from Costa Rica to Honolulu after this. I'm not sure if I'm going to go or not. Uh, I used to live in Honolulu, but Sweet. before all this, yeah, I know dirt cheap and free bags cause it's international. Um, but the problem is I guess that, uh, domestically speaking, Hawaii is cool with anybody going there now, but I still have to get a swab up my nose, which I have not done to leave here which I was under the impression I wouldn't have to do. So I'm kind of not looking forward to that whole sitch. But um, it's funny because uh, with temperance coming up, I've wondered how you're balancing like a very echo, socially progressive and aware kind of stance with kind of the techno futurism of the crypto virtual world. You're going to have to walk a kind of a, uh, I mean, you could speak on it more eloquently. Yeah. Not I can, but I, well, here, I mean, here's I a could, really interesting just straight off the bat the most powerful we're in we're in pisces season it's the time where dreams fantasies delusions addictions you know like they come out to play and i've had one addiction in my life sure i smoke weed i saw Raphael lighting up one of his patented uh you know uh, clear spliffs um, but the one addiction in my life is information and the vehicle together, yeah. you know, these screens. Yeah. And so working and making real money in web three, um, it provides a whole new, you know, a reward structure, uh, neurologically and justifies my already addictive relationship with technology. And so 
what have I done? I've been moderating that my whole, this whole time. And it's been like this back and forth dance, but something talk about temperance and equinox. We really, I got to it because my girlfriend's been super supportive with me doing all of this and, but also keeping me human. Um, and we're shutting off the Wi-Fi at 8.30 PM, keeping it off until 8.30 AM. It's not that hard. And it really is changing my life. Um, because if I have a cutoff time, that means I'm going to get my shit done before the cutoff time. If it's going all day, every day, shit never gets done. Cause I can just push it on down the line. That makes total sense. So I'm there. wondering, um, I'm curious what your view on the ecological impact of like crypto web three, all this kind of stuff, uh, is, I mean, I've heard tale. I haven't done research where it's just like, it costs a lot of energy and possibly, uh, natural ops uh you know fuck it up nature a little to even run blockchain um how do you look at given that we live in a kind of a second world situation where they haven't really sold their souls to high rises i don't know about san jose and other places but where i'm at it's pretty pura vida um how do you see that kind of playing into it because i know you're making money that way but do you have an ethical dilemma do you feel like this is taking advantage at all of um people less fortunate in natural settings. Uh, and I mean, I have nothing against it. I have crypto, but I'm wondering if you feel like uh, an opportunist, a Maybe privileged opportunist. Ecological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, like I said, I mean, it's kind of, it seems like the way of the wow. future and you can speak more about it, Web3 and all this. Yeah. Um, the first I'd like to address is the um, the question about the um, carbon footprint of the blockchain. It's one that has been used um, mostly in liberal and neoliberal critiques of blockchain um, because the initial Satoshi algorithm um, calls for this process of very computation intensive hashing that has come to be called Bitcoin mining, where these uh, dedicated GPUs, graphic processing units, are required to solve very complex algorithms in order to validate a transaction and thereby make it the most secure ledger on earth, which that, that part has worked. There's not been the same, I, well, there was the hard fork because of a, you know, with, that led to Bitcoin cash, but, but you know, it's like the, the, the algorithm works. It's really carbon intensive. That was the very beginning of thought around what we now call blockchain. It, in the time since, Ethereum, the coding language essentially and, and network that, um, that has become the most important aspect of the blockchain world is 99% more efficient than Bitcoin uh, in terms of its, its uh, computational costs. It's about to be a fan of that when they complete sharding later this year. Um, and then the next generation networks after Ethereum, uh, some of them are over 99% more efficient than Ethereum. Um, my personal favorite has been this uh, layer one that's known as Avalanche. It's written in the same language as Ethereum. So it has been attracting a lot of the best developers because of the gas prices on Ethereum. Um, and it, and it was recently estimated that the cost to run the entire avalanche network, which now is, it 
is home to over $60 billion in assets um, is that of 54 homes. So a neighborhood. And when Much you really scope that out, yeah. that, that isn't much, you know? And so, yeah. so I completely agree that, yeah, Bitcoin, anything beyond the store of value, you know, if you were trying to run an economy on it, super inefficient. However, that's not, that's, that's called proof of work. That's already long in the past. Any new chain that's coming out basically have, will have negligible carbon costs. So is the, are the um, platforms you're dealing with dealing with virtual realities more or how, how, what are the portfolios that you're staking in dealing with? Um, so what really makes this world exciting to me uh, is precisely where you were saying like, oh, there's a carbon argument to, to stay out of it. Um, but for me, it's, it's really, uh, if you, you know, if, it, you know, people track my, my politics, like they, and my, my stance is just like, I am an anti-imperialist say, well, we get to Russia, Ukraine. It's like, who's wrong? Fucking everybody. Fuck Russia. Fuck Putin. Fuck Zelensky. Fuck NATO. Fuck Biden, etc. You know, the people of the world demand peace. My colleagues in this space, actually, Ukraine is the most crypto adopted country in all of Europe. 45% of people have a wallet. Um, most of them are not stuck in the past using Bitcoin. Do you feel that is an underlying theme? Not to interrupt you. Do you think that's part of the reason this is happening? I mean, there's probably a whole lot of reasons, but Ukraine having 50% no, of is this like a psyop at an underground level at that level where they're just like, let's totally shut it down. <laughs> or when I say let's totally shut it down, it's I think a, Biden is going have assets in uh, Ukraine and stuff. We're caught in the middle of this, uh, this horrible conflict because the ATMs in Kiev don't work, but where we, you know, I've been able for the guys that are working with our team as ambassadors and who I oversee as community manager, um, you know, we're, we're working to get them thousand dollar grants in Ethereum, stable coins sent to their wallet that will still be good when they cross the Polish border, you know, or if they're absorbed to Russia, that will still be good, you know, and, uh, and so it's really about that transnational solidarity and, you know, on the contrary of, of feeling, um, it's like the, the global community and the decentralization of economy that, that this movement is facilitating, this brings justice and equity in a way that it's just like so anyone in the world can now access finance, which had been a, a game that was reserved for the very wealthy and the very connected on Wall Street and on, in Singapore and London and in Tokyo and a handful of places on earth. And now it's like anyone in the world can get involved. And so like, here I am, we're the team that's based in Argentina. Our founders are Argentinian, you know, the, which has a much poorer economy than Costa Rica. Um, the, you know, we have teams in Florida and uh and california dubai spain I've, i have a guy that won a contest in cuba which i think is so cool that we got to send money to cuba you know it's like forget the embargo like we're in this together and, and so um you know i make this money that is issued by a, an international uh foundation 
and then I spend it all in Costa Rica. And it's like, none of it goes to the empire. <laughs> I guess I have to pay taxes, but you know, it's like, I keep it out of the US system. So on, as opposed to like taking advantage of Costa Rica, I feel empowered to, to make a positive impact here. That's what's up. I mean, it's the temperance card. The moon card is all this Neptune conjunct sun, uh, Jupiter and Mercury and Pisces presently as we're speaking. Yeah. There's a whole lot of idealism with Mars and uh, Venus conjunct in Aquarius, the North Nodes in Taurus, but Uranus is also. So it, it's an interesting, I'm watching um, on Netflix, uh, there's this show, I guess it's kind of a addendum to Ghost in the Shell. And it's happening in 2045. And they're like, everybody switched to crypto and then it crashed. It's a, It came out in 2020. It's a really bizarre kind of thing. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. Um, but it's kind of like these economic wars that are basically manufactured for what they call the one percenters to stay in power. It seems like we're in a really big shift of gears. I mean, that's been the case for a few years now, obviously. Uh, Post-pandemic um, is a different kind of ball game. it seems, with who's willing to do what in terms of putting their money where their mouth is. I'm glad that you're kind of living the dream, so to speak, and making it work. Um, what do you see is the... Uh, how would I put it? Um, what are some of the pitfalls and delusions, I guess, of the ideals that we're moving towards? Because I think the globe, like this new globalization that you're talking about, it makes sense. Uh, borders and wars and resource scarcity is kind of passe, but it seems to be the carrot by which uh, many transnational corporations or governments, um, potentially even religions, dangle the carrot in front of people and say, you got to you know, do certain things or else. How do you see us overcoming that? Right. Um, and what are maybe some of the blind spots for the whole movement in general, just realistically speaking? Uh, yeah. Because you addressed that one on the uh, Bitcoin, uh, at least the um, the carbon footprint, well enough. I, I mean, I'm just not, I'm not paying attention to the space, and it's developing so quickly. You know, look one minute and look the next yeah. is a totally new world. So yeah, speak on that. And Rafael, if you have any questions, obviously feel free to jump in. Please, yeah, and I'd love to get your take on it as well, Raphael. I know you've been involved. Um, so, uh, you know, to, in, in the short, it's like, are we going to overcome the the hidden hand? Which, as I wrote this week in Body Made Stars, it's like, in moments when the bombs grow louder and, and nearer, the glove comes off the hidden hand. We know who is driving this planet to the brink and beyond. We know who is torturing people, arguably for their louche, but really just, you know, at least for their land and their labor. And it's the fucking military, industrial, and that is inclusive at this day and age, cybernetic complex. Did you know that the U.S. highway system was designed by computers in the 1950s to be for the, the military to retain power and order in the event of a nuclear war Fastest i didn't know that routes uh, i'm pretty sure they jacked it from hitler they were like oh this is a great design uh uh something exactly. to that effect it's for moving yeah. troops right in the event of a nuclear war washington getting new and the internet was designed along the same parameters to retain control in the event of an external breakdown they can can retain control you know on and this is in the 80s this is where it came from you know in darpa and of course left out in the wild mutations happen 
entire economies have risen and fell many times over in, in these, this, uh, this one Saturn cycle since the last time Saturn was in Aquarius um, and initiated a new era of uh, informational exchange. And, you know, Saturn, I think of as the, the um, foundation. of the temple of solomon the sun and moon and it's you know chakra it's the base that we stand on and so when the saturn moves back to aquarius as it was when i was born what's that the bones the structure like you're saying i mean it's it's at the base of it all bones bones medical astrology exactly and um you know we we now are on a, a new plateau of informational exchange and it's that's web three it's you know at the very least the foundation for the next 29 years of informational flows and what that means is going to be yeah more and more of uh the economy being transacted there and most importantly arguably more of more of the talent what is the blockchain really backed up by like what are these ethereum projects worth um, what is the blockchain really backed up by? What are these Ethereum projects really worth? I would say perhaps most valuably the, the man hours, the brilliant minds that are now jumping. You see it every week. There's another raft of people leaving TradFi, you know, leaving Wall Street, leaving government, you know, leaving Google, Facebook, Amazon, well, Microsoft, like in fact, our latest. Thing. Yeah. And it's like that talent carries a gravity of its own. Right. Like these, you know, all these brilliant moving into the decentralized space. Like we're all like, oh, it's all speculation. It's like, well, except for that part. <laughs> it's like, these guys' labor is worth something. We don't know what the speculation is going to happen. It's probably overvalued right now, but. Um, and you know it's it's really it's really fascinating and it's um by no means going to overcome the military industrial complex they still have all the bombs but it gives us a fucking fighting chance and that's why i got involved because like you know we're on a death drive industrial civilization we've been born to it we're witness to it we are the three of us and i'm sure many listeners of this show kind of conscientious objectors to it and the only place I've gone to Occupy, I was there day one, you know, marched in the streets every time they gave us a reason to. Um, gave 10 years of my life to environmental advocacy and, and water restoration projects. Um, the only way we're going to fucking stop them is to hit them where it hurts, which is the money. Hit them in the money. Take away the fact, like, the U.S., it's about they're 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 about to do it themselves by by these sanctions on Russia and the, the the yuan is about to become the global reserve currency you know maybe as soon as next year but um, for, forget the yuan or the dollar like let's make avalanche the global reserve currency let's make it decentralized owned by you know the the validators like owned by the the people and and it's like if we can make the currency ourselves and we are no longer subservient to the Federal Reserve in any way the same way that we were without it. I'm sure you've seen Zeitgeist. I mean, the whole story of the Federal Reserve is nuts, and it's a real uh, 
coup by the elite at one point to really kind of stranglehold the economy and reboot it from their perspective. Karma's a bitch, right? Uh, Pluto and Capricorn. I mean, it, it seems like the that situation is shifting. I think it was um, Kaipacha Lesher, who's also in Costa Rica. Um, he'll be coming back on the podcast soon. I just yeah. talked to his secretary or whatever. Um, but uh, he was mentioning briefly recently that these 250-year cycles of uh, Pluto, basically, I mean, you get empires shifting, and it seems... Uh, and I'm not like anti-American particularly like that, but it seems the Rome, you know, Rome fell, England shifted. America is kind of pushing certain buttons that, like you were saying, are going to have consequences when you have other large China has the population. Russia has the, the nukes, I guess you could say. Um, it's going to make them the strategy. The strat- yeah, go ahead. Well, one thing that came up for me when when this invasion was launched on the 22nd of February, right, in that first week of Pisces, you know, and this guy, this dude's been icing guys since the fucking 70s. This dude is a, like, they they want us to hate him and revile him and think he's an idiot. This dude is far better strategist than any of these fucking numbnuts Western leaders. Not that I'm happy about it. It's like you have to give credit where it's due. And no, he's a smart he snake. Embody. Yeah, he embodies. I, I I caught it. You know, Pluto, Putin, Plutin. You know, and it's like right on the day of of America's uh, begin the commencement of the exactitude of the uh, Pluto return for the United States. Um, two hundred forty six years, as it were. Um, you know, he launched this invasion and what does it announce? Well, it announces the, the end of the unipolar dominance, you know, the Marshall plan that was imposed, uh, in 1945, um, that made Germany and France kind of like client and England's client states and, uh, impose the dollar standard around the world and has just like, wit- <laughs> we have witnessed just the destruction of the world in the last 60 years under the American hand, you know, and just one misadventure after the other and one botched coup after the other. And, uh, that's over, you know, and it's, it's most, it's, it's a very Capricorn kind of decline. It's be it's to ossification and uh, decrepitude. It's like, you just have to look at the president right now to, understand the state of america it's like an empty suit who is so old that he would be falling asleep at the thanksgiving dinner table got vacant eyes some people think he's a clone i'm like i don't know he just looks like he's falling apart um it's funny because it's it's very much like uh it's funny i saw some video of putin showing a kid i mean i'm not like all pro-russia we've had andreas exert us on him a number of times and i'm always like are you like a a Russian bot, like he's very much more like comrade and all this stuff. But um, there was this interesting video clip I saw of Putin, I guess, at a karate or judo thing. He's like a triple black belt or some crazy shit. I mean, he's like more in shape than Harley. Oh, yeah. judo. Yeah, exactly. Combo, he showed some kid how to take down a bigger dude, and it's like if you're gonna know how to like manipulate reality at a small level like that, and and you have the power of military and economy, even though the ruble's kind of collapsing, um. I wouldn't. I, you don't want to back a guy like that into a corner, particularly. I, I think that there's more up his sleeve than we might realize. Well, the thing that's disturbing to me is that 
this is the wet dream of the militarists who have been waiting literally in Germany for several generations for this chance. In the States, they haven't waited. They've bombed the fuck and ruined the lives of countless millions of Middle Easterners in just the last 20 years in Libyans and, and Venezuelans and Somalians, you know, the list goes on, but it's like, they haven't been waiting to drop their bombs. They've been doing plenty, but the Germans, specifically the Germans, but also the Poles, you know, they have right-wing leaders who are champing at the bit. They're like, fuck, we're going to turn Ukraine into Chechnya. They don't care about Ukrainian lives. They want to drop their bombs. They want to enrich Raytheon. They want to have a drawn out conflict. They want to increase the budgets of the militaries of the world and the police forces of the world. As if they hadn't done enough of that already with COVID. Said, the glove comes off at these times. We see the hidden hand and um, I thought in Aquarius you know, it's very all least, happy days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Saturn Aquarius, you know, it's like we, we the future, but it's there's 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 some aspects of this Aquarian future that we need to sort of like confront, you know, if we want to get the good parts. Raphael, you've been uber quiet. Uh, what are your thoughts? You're much closer to the action than we are. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I'm just about as close as anybody else who's not exactly in Ukraine, which is in front of a computer screen. And uh, so there's many things to say. So, um, okay, so let's first, before maybe talking a bit more about crypto, let's get into this topic. So number one, talk about the hidden hand, which kind of gets more and more revealed also, you know, with the whole scandemic and, uh, you know, all the crisis now, the engineered collapse of America or whatever this appears to be or temporary collapse or who knows what, you know, but it's, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the main actors, it pretty much looks like a controlled demolition. Same thing actually is happening in Austria and in many different countries that the political class is exceedingly obviously incompetent and doesn't care about the population, which to me, however, when we say the hidden hand is revealed, the question remains, who or what is this hand or hands attached to? And I'm pretty sure that this will not be able to be traced back to any particular nation state. You know, we're dealing with some kind of an insidious, you know, warmongering, anti-human, genocidal uh, mindset that can be found probably in all, you know, state apparatuses and so on. So I'd also ask, you know, even when conceptualizing geopolitics, to which extent are states really sovereign? especially when we talk about Germany, you know, that's a huge topic unto itself. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I'm, it's pretty obvious and there's no black and white here. And I'm also pretty sure just because of, you know, from what I understand so far is that there's probably many, many layers to this conflict. It will not only be about some deep state operation covering up money laundering. It will not only be about, you know, oil and resources. It will not only be about geostrategic geostrategic dominance and who knows maybe there's some artifacts maybe there's some biolabs who knows and what i love in particular about this whole idea is that in the background you always have the nuclear threat and i guess since you both guys mentioned it this is something that is very little discussed because what oftentimes happens just as with the scandemic i'll say again is or with nasa for that matter um as soon as you have to be put yeah in front of a device that you don't properly understand, whether it's a microscope 
or it's a telescope, or in this case, it's a social media algorithm and mainstream media that feeds you a certain movie about a conflict, you know, as long as you don't really know yourself, you don't really know. And the best thing is, if you don't really know, and you can't really verify for yourself, but there is this subtle fear of utter destruction and, you know, decimation, which also comes about with the whole nuclear threat. And um, I'm not sure, Sam, maybe you've heard of this guy called uh, Windsor Galen, supposedly one of the first guys yes. who uh, who constructed nuclear power plants. So I'd be curious what you think about this, because he apparently was swimming around in the cooler water every day and then eating plutonium in front of the classroom to basically tell people, you know, whatever is going on there, but it's like some kind of an insurance racketeering scam or whatever, even the whole idea of, you know, having to dispose of nuclear waste and so on. And generally speaking, you know, I'd be the first to say, you know, let's go renewable and so on, if that would all really work, you know, the way it's supposed to. And generally saying, I just want to say that, um, let's say it's always important to verify these like background threats, because a lot of geo strategy is built around that as well. Because you can always say, oh, before you use the chemical weapon, or before you use the um, nuclear bomb, we're going to preemptively attack. And that's even that's even the official storyline of the Russian government right now. And in the same token, Americans or whoever now could say, NATO could say, oh, before Russia drops the nuclear bomb, we have to attack with our jets or something stupid, you know? So I'm always wary of those, yeah. those ideas. Yeah, I mean, there there's some very revealing, disturbing, you know, and, and just worthy of consideration because at this, you know, with this, I think, you know, mostly where I stand and I think Jim probably takes a similar position, but you're a Libra. So it's like, we can all, I'm a Libra moon. It's like, we can, we can see things from several sides at once. And there's some very interesting footage from 1945, you know, um, about that mushroom cloud and about the fire bombing that possibly happened rather than a nuclear explosion, just the intensiveness of the, um, the destruction that they were doing and, by conventional means. And what I had means. no, just um, as I'm mentioning this and recently revisit, revisit, revisited the topic, is that supposedly in Japan, when this whole thing went down, which is, I guess, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, everyone immediately in their mind sees the whole world blowing up, yeah? That supposedly, apparently, if you were living there at that point, just after the bombs were dropped or this devastation happened, and you were questioning the narrative, supposedly you would get locked up in prison. And if this is correct, of course, you know, <laughs> we know what's up, right? Something's wrong, whatever it is exactly, right? And then, or maybe yeah. just to, maybe yeah, to tie um, it in, then I'll let you talk, is also, mm -hmm. just as you explained it, the whole idea of having the excuse for the highway system against a nuclear weapons attack, having the excuse of an ARPANET against uh, a nuclear attack. Whilst I love the distributed technology, I just find it so interesting that even here, the background reasoning given is again this you know nuclear threat scenario, total destruction, and that allowed the whole funding of these systems. May they benefit us, hopefully, ultimately. It's just interesting. Again, the same reasoning comes along, which would also explain why no one ever spilled the beans about the Manhattan Project, you know, if that's not actually what they did, you know, it's the whole, you know, it's twisting. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. And I think what it serves to illustrate, because, you know, th this goes, it goes into, um, you know, an admittedly speculative 
like realm where we're speculating that the the public history of the last 70 years is built on a lie and it's like what can Several. we yeah. start to infer and, and use you know when we put that in place and one of the most important ones is yalta of course because you know for four generations from officially 1948 until 1991 um the soviet society and the NATO bloc society, and by extension, really the entirety of the world, with very few exceptions, um, was dominated by this fallacious threat. And they were able to strip mine the societies, strip mine the earth, destroy class consciousness, you know, and in favor of nationalism and militarism. Um, because, of course, true communism has never been practiced. Like what Stalin and Khrushchev did was not what, that's not Marxism at all. <laughs> you know, but but there was, a there was at, throughout the 20th century, and there continues to be an actual class consciousness movement that, you know, the CIA has done everything to destroy. The Black Panthers were probably its most important efflorescence. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, all of these, horrible measures being taken on the humans, the, the citizens and participants in these societies um, and their client states worldwide, and also on the earth itself. Because if we're, at, if we're facing the prospect of annihilation, every new mine is justified. Every new plant, every new factory to build more bombs is it's justified. It's only to protect you. Every new, exactly, it's all for your protection. It's because we care about you and we love you. That's why we're destroying planet Earth. War is peace, 1984-101. Sorry, I had to run out. I looked out, and there's four, there's five dogs I'm watching, and two of them are supposed to be in behind. It one had tunneled through and escaped, like a East German or whatever. I was like, oh my god, because they'll tear each other apart. So anyway, um, yeah, I was like, holy shit, I don't have my glasses on, but I was like, I'm one, two, three, four. How did she get out? All right, so anyway, Jim, um, Jim is the border guard, and just to get you uh, back on track, uh, what we were just talking about um, was basically the idea or the question to what extent nuclear weapons, the way they are portrayed, actually are a real threat, and in general, that or are really working the way they're supposed to, and if Hiroshima and Nagasaki weren't actually firebombed, because there you weren't even allowed to question the narrative of the nuclear bomb after it happened. And this just tying into the idea Sam did just now, that many times these like ominous threats of total annihilation are always used as an excuse for further funding of the military industrial complex, promise you safety, and actually really get you into trouble. Whereas the initial threat scenario may not even have been real. And at least for me, you know, looking at the past few years, this seems more and more likely, even without understanding the exact details of, you know, nuclear fission or whatever they would call it. Um, but yeah, that was the storyline now. So basically, to what extent are nuclear weapons really a threat? And are they not just a, you know, fake threat? to get people into all kinds of war and spending and, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know enough of the details, but I, you've talked about it before about how there was a pretty close nuclear silo situation and aliens or UFOs or something kind of nixed it. So well, that's, the other, mind, that's the other interesting aspect. It's, not, it's because, much of a threat as we might think. It's like, it's kind of like, I don't think God wants us all to kill ourselves really or whatever. <laughs> Makes the game less fun for everybody. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because certainly you know, a nuclear threat and a nuclear wasteland scenario is you know one of the favorite ones. But maybe um, connect it back to what you initially talked about in terms of crypto. So I think by now we've established it's clear humanity has been under assault. The let's say humanity's terrain of you know living and thriving under assault for many years. Um, to me, it was clear right from the start with Bitcoin, just as you explained, Sam, that the whole you know, me, I'm not worried about carbon because we're made of carbon. It's about, you know, um, cradle to cradle cycles and, you know, properly accessing and efficiently transforming resources and energy. But it was clear to me that there would be technologies that, um, you know, wouldn't have any issue with electricity consumption or anything. And what I like the most, what you mentioned, Sam, is that many people are maybe leaving traditional finance, Tradfin, I believe you called it. And of course, that is the only real capital, just like you said, is the human capital. And what can actually be great is that, whereas before, these individuals, in a way, may have worked to create some kind of, uh, you know, I want to say insurance scams, you know, collateralized debt obligations, whatever systems no one understands to trick people. Now they can actually work on innovative, new ways of finance and whatever, and just try stuff out. Maybe, you know, put a disclaimer on it, but here you can really be creative and collectively we can look for the best possible solutions. Although at the same time, and maybe this is well, get it back to you, Sam, we know about uh, the 2017 Bitcoin, what was it, fund or whatever, whoever set it up, US government, SEC or somebody. And then later on, the SEC chairman, the former one actually said they deliberately created this to crash the currency. And at least from my understanding, the exchange, official exchange prices of most assets, even crypto assets, can still be easily manipulated or are heavily manipulated because of certain choke points in the system, even in terms of, you know, price, uh, price matching mechanism. So what's what's your view on all of that? Yeah, well, um, that's a really illustrative example. Um, this is a 2017 crash. Um, and really, what, when we talk about decentralization, decentralization is an ideal. It's a goal. It's something that we're constantly reaching towards. It's not something that is inherent to the product or inherent to these ecosystems. Um, you know, a currency that was truly decentralized would actually not have whales as whales are, are wallets that hold, you know, 5% above or above of the supply of a given currency. Um, because those whales can easily manipulate the price action, you know, by selling if they want to go down, buying if they wanted to go up, you know, and, and just like preventing, uh, organic price discovery and organic mechanisms of finance from taking place. And so the ideal of decentralization, um, I think more than, than anything, it's really just about giving people a seat at the table to participate in these, uh, these experiences, these schemes, you know, these, these products. Um, and just, in my, I would say that after getting my feet wet in January, February of last year, and then like muddling through learning um, in from like March, April 
to even, I would say, September of last year, um, you know, I, that gives me since late October when I really like figured this shit out and started to do de- de- decentralized finance, got hired by, by Forta and, um, and it gave people a chance to participate in the Wall Street level returns that have been exclusively available to brokers and elites um, for centuries. And so, you know, is that, it's like, is there something inherently noble about the activity of finance? Not necessarily, but is there something inherently noble about giving people in the Philippines and Indonesia and Nigeria and Ukraine and Argentina and Cuba access to markets that had been exclusively for those in New York? That's where I get the virtue, you know? And it's like, people get rugged every day. You look up on a list on like Token Sniffer of the, of the 20,000 launches that have happened in 2022, <laughs> something crazy like that at this point, you know, there's several launching every single day. Um, and 4,000 of them are outright scams. 6,000 of them failed after a month, but then the other 10,000, there's something happening and people are getting paid. People are getting jobs. You people are uh, accessing communities. People are learning programming. And, and it's like, there's suddenly this unregulated, untaxed, international marketplace for ideas, for enthusiasm, for community um, that can reward people. Basically with, you know, what my, my favorite thing that I remind myself all the time with crypto, it's like what we're doing for the, our guys in, in Kiev right now. They're trapped in this city that's being evacuated. Who knows what the fuck is really going on? And, but they need help. And their their ATMs don't print. There's no money in them. But the Polish border guards would be willing to accept a transfer of Ethereum. You know, and it's like seeing beyond the state, taking economy beyond the state. Necessity is the mother of invention. So I think desperate times call for desperate adaptations. And it's tricky because um, I had sent it to Raphael. I haven't done enough research on it, but the whole Satoshi Nakamura uh, Nakamoto thing. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Elon Musk, uh, he's recently pointed out a conspiracy theory of his own saying it's Samsung, Toshiba, Nakamochi, and Motorola. And those he, he, just, he, just, he just retweeted that, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing? Because in that, some that, way, it's white hat cool in a way but then it's like there's always somebody behind the curtain and you're hoping i guess it's not meet the new boss same as the old boss just with a you know a digital vamp going on oh yeah i mean i think that that one that that that's a meme he he it's been floating around since like 2020 that image you know um of speculation um and so he just shared it with his his unhinged and amazing platform I'm super involved in crypto Twitter, so I saw it. <laughs> I mean, put it out. Um, in a sense, and, it makes sense. It's uh, like an oligarchical, like conglomerate, kind of like what the yakuza do and organized crime got their hands. It's the Japanese. Uh, I mean, well, it- I don't know. <laughs> on Netflix now, and I guess that did show the Olympics being canceled when it was canceled. No, what I what I think that that one it um, with the Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, is that um, those are common 
phonemes in Japanese. <laughs> and and uh, there are companies that have those same phonemes and uh, that's as far as it goes. My my favorite pet theory, I don't know if this one gets gets shared, but I, I, I don't know if I'm the one who came up with it either. I've just had it for years, long since long before I really got my, my feet wet. Um, is that in the near future, um, the, the AI itself, the internet will attain, you know, a, a degree of self awareness and sentience and be able to project back lines of code through time. So effectively time travel through, through, you know, like electrical means and moving bits and that this was sent back in time to save the timeline <laughs> because you know it's like there is sent for back from a totalitarian dominant timeline and then this is like oh no this is like the freedom cell this is like the homeopathic remedy because it's like already you know there there are a few lines of code that have defined the last few years um the google search algorithm that debuted in 1998 the um like whatever fucking horrible nexus that Facebook meta uses to determine the top posts on your feed. You know, that's not one, that's not a clean code, but you know, that, that one and, and now Bitcoin and the Satoshi readme is uh, a, a historical artifact. It's really important at this point. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm disinclined to believe that it's uh, the, these like a conglomerate of Korean and Japanese companies. I think it was a lone human being um, who had a good idea and wanted to publish it anonymously. Yeah, what's uh, certainly interesting is Satoshi Nakamoto literally means intelligence in the middle, which of course would scream uh, CIA. Um, <laughs> but there are at the very least, um, I mean, there's one, I think there's a few guys, of course, that kind of claim ownership or did historically. There are supposedly original forum posts by which, which appeared to be well enough some kind of guy posting stuff. And even initially people just being like, oh, whatever, or like, oh, interesting, let's see. The other thing I find interesting here is that for me, it was also soon, as soon as it was clear that Bitcoin doesn't get shut down, it was clear that Bitcoin wouldn't be the thing. Bitcoin is like the brand name, you know, the golden horse running in front. And I'm still kind of upset almost, even though I finally have some Bitcoin that, you know, it will still maybe take some time until people realize the difference between valuation and actual, what is the proper term, um, between the valuation, the nominal valuation and the actual trade value or the actual <clears throat> utility value of any given coin, you know, there's still a huge gap in terms of perception. So what is popular or what has a high price and what is actually useful. But it was always clear to me then that as soon as it was obvious that Bitcoin has some issues, even just because it's gotten too slow or too expensive or too energy uh, intensive, yeah. that there would be all kind of innovation. And that's where I really see the thing, because based on this consensus, consensus algorithm, interestingly enough, you know, now there can be infinite innovation in that space until we really find the way we actually want to organize economy. Because if because it's only code, we can issue new currency every day, you know, basically. 
adapt the rules adapt accordingly. And the only important thing here, of course, again, will be that, you know, people won't be easily tricked or fooled into in some underhanded fashion, again, giving control back to a centralized authority. But, you know, this is where we have this, how do you call it, decentralized autonomous organizations, both in concept, in organization and in crypto, you know. Um, so, yeah, certainly exciting. And um, it's pretty obvious to me that this is in terms of economy at least as as long as we still need accounting because to me these are all mainly accounting system although with the smart contracts you know we're getting into into yeah, more realms ledgers. yeah ledgers right exactly yeah. so as long as we still need them because we don't have truly abundant energy you know this will probably be the realm where the most innovation will happen and the most interesting things occur and even now both with ukraine as you mentioned or even with the canadian truckers you know I was like, are they really crazy? Yeah. They're going to block their GoFundMe. Of course, they start using Bitcoin. I mean, what's going to happen? But this is cool because now we will see which coins really hold up. You know, will they have to switch to Monero or will they be traced back through their pseudonyms and get hunted or whatever? But this is kind of, you know, as bad as the situation is. But these pressure moments now also allow us to show which tools actually have under duress, you know, actually hold up and serve, let's say, the people instead of the elite, quote unquote. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I can oh, say, our business with Forte is creating a decentralized security layer for Ethereum smart contracts, because right now, basically, code gets released into the wild post audit. They have something called an audit, smart contract audit, that an expert programmer reviews a, a protocol's code. They say, okay, it's going to work. They send it out. It gets hacked. $200 million is drained. None the wiser. You know, but what we're creating is a, a layer to do runtime security. So we, we create agents that um, scan protocols, ledgers for any anomalies, any anomalous transactions, a new wallet taking out a million dollar loan, you know, uh, like a, a huge token transfer from one wallet to the other, and then a withdrawal from that new wallet, you know, from a staking platform. And um, so uh, all of which is to say that um, the, the black hats are always one step ahead. <laughs> there is no there you know there it's like i love it because the the you know central banks are in the near future are going to issue cbdc's uh central bank um digital currencies and they're just going to get fucking outfoxed by people this is actually a great one to the space. yes and for quite some for quite some time i mean also i didn't invest in in pfizer or anything and i, I never would ethically but in, in this one, I really thought about, you know, how, how exactly would you best bet or hedge against uh, the success of state-issued central bank digital fake blockchain, car I mean, real blockchain, but not distributed currencies. Because this one is actually an old cliff high prediction, but also in terms of systems theory, it makes perfect sense because I always ask the question, okay, let's say now China is issuing the digital renminbi or whatever they call it, digital yuan. I don't even know why they have two names for this, so whatever. Um, and and also, then... It's hard to say. Yeah. 
yeah and, and but then imagine like you're a communist party official you're in the power structure and you want to get your bribes you know are you going to get your bribes on the official digital currency account or are you going to get your bribes in bitcoin or something else you know it's a pretty simple answer no and, and right there the system falls apart at least in my mind you know yeah exactly you're gonna need it in a, a floppy baby shitcoin doge <laughs> so that's what the whales yeah. are they're just like uh smuggling contraband from bribes um i'm curious what your thoughts on el salvador are it's close to where we are now um we can start shifting gears if you want towards other topics but we can remain on crypto and your projects and stuff if you'd like um el salvador is talking about obviously they switched over to bitcoin as their national uh monetary situation and they want to be farming it with volcanoes which is kind of quickly very quickly solves the situation uh, in terms of uh, how how does this work and how can we make it work um do you think that's like a shot in the dark from a third world country trying to make a claim in the wet, wild west of crypto do you think this is a valid option um do you see other people like iceland and others like you know if it can work there it can kind of work anywhere on the pacific rim potentially etc yeah i mean bitcoin mining unfortunately is going to be a, a diminishing returns activity because um, there's only so much bitcoin that's ever going to be issued i guess it will be able to switch over to pro other proof of work chains like doge but like those are just going they're dinosaurs already however you know i don't like his bitcoin focus i love his crypto focus this guy is like some like Illuminati. like there's eight ruling families in, in el salvador it's been a fucking disaster there for many generations since the since the late 70s early 80s um in fact the country is to this day but really much less so um, now with with bukele than than before uh, run by a los angeles street gang called ms13 madre salvatrucha um and this move i i'm incredible i love it i th think i'm I think it's so bold and so out of the box and brilliant that it is already changing lives in El Salvador. I had I I was down to Minical the other day and um, struck up a conversation with a young lady who um, is from El Salvador, uh, who rather who's from she's from Los Angeles, excuse me, and she's Salvadoran, um, and. She's going to El Salvador. She she flew, uh, I guess, Sunday um, for the first time in her life. She's probably a, a year or two younger than I am. She's probably like, you know, 28, 29. And it's never been safe enough for her to visit her entire life. And now there's, a, there's just an influx of international interests, activity, new resorts opening, money flowing in the traditional economy, as well as in the decentralized economy because so many um big bitcoin whales will establish residency there because they can they can um do their bitcoin transactions in an in an above board untaxed way you know and then or, or minimally taxed and like they can withdraw you know and and just like get out of uh the um decentralized economy and they can buy land or whatever um with their bitcoin and so it's doing tremendous things for the country already in the very short term. And what I'd like to see them switch to is, yeah, like a, a less proof of work centric, you know, as, as Raphael was saying, like, uh, you know, being open to the, 
the mo more efficient and um, next generation uh, protocols and ecosystems. But I, you know, it's just really heartening to see what's happening. Like I've had friends go play shows there and there's still a lot of uh, gang control and, and correspondent poverty in the, the back country. But the, the hope is that basically from the resorts out that there will be an economic revival and it, it, it seems like it's underway. It's a deep irony that the resorts will save the day. Um, I think it's interesting. It's bringing, bringing Costa Rica, man. It's like tourist economy can really help. Um, oh, yeah. Especially when it's yeah, yeah. yeah, it can help better people's um, lives. It's an tricky thing. Well, life's tricky. It's, a, it's 64 fucking hexagrams flying every which way. Um I was just, I mean, La Fortuna is like five, I think I walked eight kilometers one way to get some mushrooms um, from a tour guide. And he's like, oh, I make like a hundred bucks a day. I was like, that's pretty good. Considering like the standard of living is a couple, you know, probably out here five to $20 a day, maybe is what they're making kind of thing. 40 bucks for the guy who's building this house is like twice as much. And to us, that's shockingly poor, but um, I mean, it's working, I guess. And it would be nice to see, I guess, uh, less skull crushery in terms of, um, how would I put it? If we can get the right mindsets, hopefully more psychedelic mindsets, a part of the change and transformation of the cultures from these resorts, like more, just more conscious people. It doesn't always have to be like, let's do loads of Coke uh, and, you know, get hookers. You see what I'm saying? It's like, it can be a little more woke and maybe that's how um, yeah. the ripple effect that the kind of trickle down economy um, really benefits things. I'm wondering what your uh, overall uh, if you want to talk about, um, well, there's kind of two paths and we can go towards Costa Rica kind of life and Pura Vida and stuff. I want to get your take on it, having been kind of a semi expat yeah. for a little while now. Yeah. Um, but before yeah. we jump into that, what are some, uh, you were talking about avalanche is kind of the, um, the golden child in your mind. What are some of these, uh, cryptos or DAOs or anything like that, that you think are really worth looking at and, just the fact that you think, uh, you know, I'm not saying I disagree, but the fact that like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and you were saying Doge are dinosaurs, and I would say most people aren't even aware of what these things are in the in the normal, uh, not most people our age really, but like, you know, boomers and older kind of are just getting their heads around what this is, oh, yeah. hence, you know, them trying to make centralized kind of bank versions. Um, what are some of the kind of hopefuls, uh, Rafael, you could speak on it too, that you would suggest people keep their ear towards? Well, you know, we're in the middle of like a um, an interesting moment in the, the crypto story. I think the astrology is playing playing a role, um, and it'll be I'll be curious to see what happens when Venus goes to catch up with Jupiter next month, um, and when Sun gets up to Uranus and those uh, those eclipses in late April and May, um, because right now it's like been wavering and kind of in the downturn while like the rest of the economy, but there's going to be one fine morning when the world wakes up and it's like, wait a second, like, why are we crashing Bitcoin and, and Ethereum because of news about Russia and Ukraine and, and fucking more, more pandemic nonsense, scamdemic, whatever. Uh, and it's like, this is the, the fucking reprieve. This is the safe haven from all of this nonsense. And there's going to be one fine morning when the people, you know, Bitcoin puts her boots on and it's going to turn around. And um, so in terms of pure speculation, 
information, I don't, I, I know when that's going to happen. It's going to happen. I can say that. And we look at the 12 years of Bitcoin and we can say that's going to, it's coming. And the it's North node is going to conjunct Uranus soon enough, right? In Taurus. Uh, actually, I've got my Midheaven and North node in Taurus. Uh, that'll be in August for me kicking in the gear. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys are the astrologers. Pull up Bitcoin's birth chart. You got to tell us when this happens. That. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> know where to begin with that. I haven't fucked with but what, I, but what I want to pull that back to is that the speculation um, is secondary in my mind because what we're looking at right now in 2022 is the emergence of the tooling of the true, like maybe not mature and fully formed version of Web3, but like a vast and profitable and inclusive and engaging and attention sucking and addictive and all of these things, Web3, you know? And, and so the reason why I think um, uh, specifically Avalanche, but also other Ethereum virtual machines, um, which you could include uh, Metis DAO, where a good friend of mine uh, is working, and um, Polygon, and um, a, a handful of others that are really, you know, uh, cut above the rest. Aurora that interfaces with the near network, Moonbeam that interfaces with the Polkadot network. Um, reason why I think those are the ones to really focus on these layer one Ethereum virtual machine ecosystems is because number one, there's the programming talent that just doesn't exist in any of the other spaces. It's all there. It's Ethereum and its children or its cousins, its extended family, um, where they've written a language that allows for very adaptable, infinitely improvable, um, you know, and, and, and variegated smart contracts. And so we've seen like the emergence in the last 12 months of a massive fucking $50 billion or more NFT ecosystem. And, and, um, just in the last few months, we've seen Avalanche's NFT ecosystem go from like a $2 million a day trade to like $50 million a day plus. So, um, Avalanche is as it's Ethereum's it's like their prom king little brother, you know, it's the, whatever the, the, the star quarterback, like you know, the older brother, like set the scene, you know, and it's Vitalik, whatever, 90 pound well, wave, like, you know, uh, such an interesting character. It's like Bitcoin's Rome or something like that. And then you start having like England and things, you know, it, it's, it's all relative to evolutionary cycles and you just see these cycles get smaller and smaller. So, you know, you have things that start the whole trend versus, you know, if you go to Rome, I mean, that was impressive as fuck. And I'm not saying Bitcoin's off the table, really, but um, <laughs> the equivalent would be like Rome had a lot of power. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of setting the standard right now, but that's kind of like what I was saying. Rome set the standard for like roads and aqueducts for like westernizing the world or however they did it. And eventually you start getting finessing with Western Europe and then eventually you start getting even more bifurcation from that. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh nfts oh you're what, just saying like these items, yeah um what so it, like speculation i'm not even i'm just curious what your thoughts were that's almost like you know at the beginning of the carving like is it going to be ford or bmw or what's going to happen it's like it's who knows it's it's going to evolve and adapt to the conditions yeah, it's usually so, a little bit of yeah. exactly um as far as nfts go um that ironically 
the guy who lives here, he's got a multi-million dollar portfolio. Ironically, there's a surfer down south. I don't know what town it is. And I don't think it's near you, but I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know when I when I remember it. I'm going to go there for a week at the end of April into the first week of May. Oh, uh, and he found that, like, I, I Say that again? I said, you got to look that up. I, I got to give you some recommendations, man. Yeah, it's a, with this pro surfer apparently who's from Malibu and he lives down here part time. He's like, "Oh, I got a spot for you." Anyway, this guy found a forty million dollar jade relic. Um, just crazy weird shit is going on. I get, wow. but the the dude I'm living with is like, um, he's like, big, you know, crypto isn't where it's at right now, but NFTs are the smart bet. And I don't know if he's involved in them or not. What is your relationship to NFTs, uh, given your new position, and how how would you describe that landscape to people who are less aware of it? Um, we've had some people on that are pretty knowledgeable on it, you know, and we, I don't, we haven't acted upon it, but they're like, oh, you could make well, it up. I, I have a lot of experience with those. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Because I went ahead and um, launched a whole NFT gallery last summer on OpenSea. Um, and so that was when I was coming from like a non-technical crypto perspective. Um, and I'm still non-technical. You know, I'm, I'm not like programming my smart contracts quite yet. I'm, I'm learning. And my goal is by my birthday in June um, to basically deploy my first smart contract, possibly on Avalanche, maybe on Metis. We'll see where it goes. But right, learn enough solidity so I can start really fucking around with this stuff. Um, so, yeah, non-fungible tokens, baby. It's like um, smart contracts that are not currencies. It's what you do with currencies. It's like where so... I've been making a lot of profit playing with um, new launches on Avalanche and using a, a suite of tools that if you have any listeners um, who are interested in this, I've been giving lessons on uh, decentralized finance, getting started on DeFi. I, I do like we share your screen and I walk you through how to get a, a whole setup, you know, get your MetaMask running, connect to the different RPC endpoints of the valuable networks. Um, and start navigating the space. Use Dex Screener. Use Dex Tools. Use MoonArch. You know, like these these really um, these tools that allow you to do your own research um, on on tokens and not sort of follow a YouTube influencer or follow the hype because the real crazy returns are always in the hidden gems. And so I've been able to make several 10x's, a couple 40x's this year. Uh, just since January, uh, doing that. And um, so uh, NFTs are kind of what you do. It's like a safe store of value in some ways. Obviously, there's a lot of, it's like an art market. Like, there's a lot of hype, a lot of speculation. It's the funny that you say it's like an art market. Worth because that's how a lot of rich people for a long time smuggled their money, basically. They're like, oh, I bought this painting, you know. Yeah. Let's launder it through the art, sell it for more, whatever's clever. Um, do you find I, I don't we don't have to go into the nefariousness exactly. of it like that? Uh, but do you think this is a wide market with that kind of potentiality? Or um I know Gary V is always talking yeah, about like sure. this is the new thing. This is the new ghetto or you know, ghetto pass. Yeah. It's just like if you want to get into this building, you gotta have this. What I uh, just kind of describe what your thoughts in terms of the social exactly. impact are. I mean, I'm kind of curious so about what you think the um like Snoop Dogg having virtual real estate and all these people. I mean, at some level, it's like, oh, yeah, you can lob on your goggles and go hear a set or something. But is that the brave new world we need or want? Or how do you feel about all that? And the conch is yours. Yeah. It, oh, awesome, man. I mean, they're, they're great questions. So um, 
what I was trying to refer to with the speculative value of like a board ape or a crypto punk or whatever, crypto kitty. So those are cool. Those are the original, original ones built on a theory of 2017. Um, is what it's similar to why Bitcoin's price mooned to 69,000. It's because of speculation. It's a network effect. It's, it's, you know, um, the bigger sucker, you know, there's some logical fallacies involved that are not economic fallacies because the <laughs> economy is illogical. Um, and so, you know, you, you, people are paying for club membership, you know, these, all these celebrities who buy the board apes are they're they want the in, you know, uh, the status that it affords but for me where, where NFTs are going to be interesting is not in this pure speculation. That was the definition of the 2020, 2021 NFT boom, but rather um, on utility. And so you're referring like what Gary Vee is saying, very soon, our concert tickets, sport game tickets, Burning Man tickets, festival tickets, even ecstatic dance tickets to dance down the road should be and will be NFTs. Why? Because they can't be fibbed. You know, they like there's a there is a one endpoint you can you know, you'll be able to, to like connect your wallet, scan your NFT. That's it. There's no, no possible, uh, scalping, hacking, you know, fake no tickets, uh, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just a more, a more secure way of, of doing ticketing also credentializing, like, you know, you can't, it's like, in the near future, if you get an IT degree, it's like, you can't just write, write it on your resume and then say, oh yeah, I did that, you know, believe me. It's like, oh, show us the proof, the NFT. Show us, you know, the the validation. And then what we're already doing, like groups that I'm a part of, because I've been making these returns on Avalanche and then being like, okay, I can afford this. Let me buy like a, a shark or a, you know, a, a node bear or whatever. They're just innovating really clever ways of, of adding utility there. It's like you can stake your NFTs for a reward in stable coins or avalanche. You can enter into a lottery, which is kind of stupid, but it's like, if it's a small enough pool, which like the node bears are, it's like 2000 people and I have three, three of them. So it's like every week, you know, every week I've got whatever, you know, 25 entries to win like a, you know, but good odds, good enough odds to make it worth, you know, entertaining in a community. Um, and so, yeah, the utility of NFTs is on the rise. Um, an another really interesting one is that they're going to be very soon used for, um, early entry to other crypto projects. And also as, um, like say you're in a staking, you're in a yield farm, but you have this NFT and it's like, here, you get a, uh, 1.5 X boost. Like you're making time and a half. You're, you're getting paid overtime because you you bought this NFT that then you like slot in to your your um, protocol and it boosts your rewards. So utility is basically what I'm saying. That that's the cool part right now. It's interesting to me because on the on the one hand, it does feel like a very uh, democratized kind of anybody can. It's like a gold rush, I guess you could say. Just make sure you get your axe and come out to the countryside and find the gold on the ground or whatever at a level. But then this turns into a form of new neo stratification, <laughs> like you're saying. It's like you have to have the NFT to get into the new crypto, and it almost. I'm not, I mean, it is what it is. It seems like yeah. uh, 
Jordan Peterson would say it's like inherent, right, in the system hierarchy. It seems like there's going to be statistically people who are always going to win, and then there's people statistically who are more likely to never win or whatever, and it kind of shuffles between that. I'm not sure how you feel about all that. Um, but it is interesting. Um, it's an interesting space we find ourselves in because I know we're – I mean, you're a little younger than me, and Raphael's about your age. I'm 36, almost 37 now. And – on the one hand, it's cool as fuck, but on the other hand, I just don't care. I mean, I'm start, especially after being in Costa Rica, I'm starting to be like, wow, there's values that the internet just doesn't bring. Um, you know, eating really well, not that it can't, but it seems like, uh, you know, Tokyo, living in Tokyo or Manhattan or somewhere like that, as, as chic and fun as it might be in a certain way, is also soul damaging and getting back kind of in rhythms of nature. I'm going to bed at eight o'clock, waking up at five. You kind of hear what I'm saying. Um, we can kind of shift gears, oh, I guess, yeah. towards Rica. Apparently, they use more pesticides here than any other country in the world, which is sad. Um, so it seems like they're still we're dealing with, yeah, which is nuts. And we're gonna actually have um, a guy who lives down the street come on and uh, talk about his organic farm. His uh, he's kind of second gen, he's actually yeah. hosting a festival, which my brother and I have been invited to play. We haven't done the contracts yet, that's gonna be over Gemini season, the birthday, ironically. Um, and his birthday because he's a two years and a day after me. But um, what are your thoughts on the Pura Vida life? Shifting gears a little. Uh, you've been down here a while. I know you've been in that spot. So you, I don't know if you've checked out the whole country, Caribbean side, Pacific side, all this. Um, pro, oh, yeah. con, how do you yeah, like, really how do you fit in with the decos, all that kind of stuff? Um, God, best country on earth. Number one reason, demilitarized. Where does all that money go? They disbanded the military in 1949. Where does that money go? To education. Every Costa Rican is entitled to free education up to master's degrees. Um, and then they have extensive um, fellowships for, for PhD programs um, and healthcare. They have the most, the, the most functional and, and best um, social healthcare system in all of the Americas outside of Cuba. And I think they've taken some cues from Cuba and actually export doctors to, to the rest of the world. Um, Costa Rican trained doctors are in demand across Latin America, across the Spanish speaking world. Um, and as are Costa Rican engineers. Um, and an interesting thing, an interesting note about the, uh, the pesticides is that 80% um, of the food that gets that high amount of spray is made for export. So Oddly, we're not getting that much, even though we get like the big agricultural lands are heavily sprayed. It's specifically for the bananas and especially the pineapples. Pineapples get like 40%, I think, of the total spray. And they Costa Rica is the number one pineapple exporter on earth. So Costa Rican pineapple in Manhattan, speaking of, it's like ten pretty bucks, five bucks. chemical filled. Costa Rican pineapple in my backyard, not a chemical on it, man. Yeah. It's take, like just takes less than two bucks here. It's crazy. The price of like good food is not that crazy. Um, I mean, I'm a vegan, so I prefer maybe I don't know about steaks and everything like that. But it seems like I've always been asking, kind of out loud, where's the Paris of the 20s, and where is like the Wild West where the opportunism is in terms of just like 40 acres and a mule type thing. I mean, that's not so much of an opportunity necessarily, but you see my good point. Where's like, um, 
like because Paris is like you know wh where's it happening? Like where's the culture? And it because of globalization and the internet, it seems like it kind of happens anywhere really now. So it doesn't have to be New York in the '60s and '70s or whatever. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be these certain places necessarily. Like cities are kind of. I don't know your feeling about uh, like gentrification of urbanism or whatever, but it's like it seems like the function of a city. Oh, there's a little gecko next to me. Um, I was like, what was that movement? I don't have my glasses. Um, it seems like I mean, places like Tokyo were always going to be probably pretty happening just because they have such massive populations. But La Fortuna, which is in the middle of nowhere, they have internet, and if you have internet, you can kind of do whatever. I mean, like you're like you're saying, you're kind of removed but yeah. near a main road enough, but you don't have to be making a crazy commute to get to work to go pull the lever to get the coin to you know do the thing so that system is shifting so much i'm wondering um like especially given this whole pandemic thing i've been like where can we go not just americans but where can people go where it's like it's a fresh enough clean slate with opportunity involved that's pure enough that it makes sense kind of like maybe california in the 1800s kind of like paris in the 20s where it's just like and those are two different things like paris in the 20s or 30s it's like music is happening and this is where the dances are coming from it's like culture um versus maybe the opportunism yeah, I mean, they, of also, they were fresh off murdering like half of the, the the rising generation of young men you know <laughs> it's like the, the europe and and the states are so scarred by violence california in the 1800s was the host of a genocide of over 700,000 native americans something that's been written out of it's it's liberal you know, dreamscape ideology. Um, there's a very in incredible book um, called uh, Where I Was From by the recently deceased uh, essayist Joan Didion, who's a granddaughter of an original California settler who was like a big family in Sacramento, Central Valley, where they cut down world's largest oak forest to create uh, cropland that has been tremendously productive for most of the last century and is waning now. Um, and yet at its height did not produce as many calories or protein as the native oak forest <laughs> did before they came and destroyed it and then destroyed the water table, which now is going to lead to the demise of, of Californian lifestyle as we know it. And so all of that is a long preamble to say that um, it's, it's really you know, colonization, gentrification, it's a trail of destruction. There's a lot of, of damage that, that it leaves in its wake uh, in its wealth generating and culture generating processes. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of trauma, you know, that, that it's born out of. It's born out of the need to move because we have to, we have to leave behind what, what, you know, the Dust Bowl or whatever. We have to leave behind the the, the it's like apocalypse of world you gotta feed one. the empire or else it falls apart <laughs> you gotta this thing's gotta and because of yeah. globalization i feel weird about places like costa rica because it's like you haven't drank the kool-aid too much yet i mean i'm sure there's some places like san jose i mean i think there's what like five million people in this country and i'd say three million of them or so live in uh san jose like a major yeah. metropolis type situation I and most Five point five million um, humans residing in Costa Rica, and um, oh, I think four point one reside in the Central Valley, which is San Jose, Alajuela, Heredia, Cartago, Ciudad Colon. Like this, this one valley, very temperate, really nice place uh, to put a city. Um, 
but you know, it's like not overwhelmingly culturally rich. Good music from there for sure. Um, and good food, good, you know, talented people across the board, the best in the best schools and education. It's like where you get the, you know, the, the, the capital experience, the Latin capital experience. Um, but what I, the reason I feel comfortable residing here at all, again, from my anti-imperial standpoint, uh, in sharp contrast to like visiting Lago Titlan in January um, and visiting um, Oaxaca and Chiapas uh, last year um, is that Costa Rica has had a government that is far more just and effective than either of those countries in this, in either, than the states by far for many generations now. And the effects are trickle, have trickled down. Costa Ricans have a longer life expectancy than US people. Costa Ricans have a higher average literacy than the US. Costa Ricans have a lower um, neonatal mortality. You know, they're, they're like more babies die per capita in the States than in Costa Rica. The quality of life here is objectively higher. And so when I come here and add my international Western whatever capital and, and adapt to the culture, I'm learning, you know, I'm like 80% fluent in Spanish and I just practice every single day and have long conversations with my Spanish speaking friends um, and just change the rhythms of my being because I'm coming from Brooklyn, you know, talk about Paris of the 80s. It's like Brooklyn in the aughts was pretty interesting place. Um, and it's like to slow down and catch that that vibration that is so engaged with the landscape. Um, and, you know, it just I, I'm so grateful to be here. I think this is this is the best country on earth because of its lack of violence against uh, its citizens. And if we could get it over time through patient advocacy to um, ban pesticides and then do my part in you know, using this crypto money to do further land conservation and like buy a plot up further up the mountain and then build nothing on it, like one house and then have 30 acres of rainforest. Um, I feel, yeah, this is just, this is my home. I'm, I love it so much here. And yeah. Do you have any major it's, aspects it's passing through? Really I was looking at my uh, chart. I have a Mars aspect going through Liberia. Other than that, I don't have much. My fiance actually has a Chiron aspect in La Fortuna area. So if she were ever to come here from England, uh, it's like, you got some healing wow, to do. Your fiance, dude, you're engaged to be married? For two years. I, I mean, It's ever right after yeah. I uh, left Australia, I met a chick on uh, Leo King's spiritual dance music and she's i mean i'm not all into the spirit uh twin flame thing but basically she activates my kundalini long distance in such a way that we hit up some psychics and they're like oh yeah she's your divine counterpart and i'm like shoe fits i guess it ain't easy let's put it that way uh this is not no she's in england um she's taking care of her nan uh and because of covid in that situation i haven't seen her but um hopefully it gets to that point obviously wow. I, I mean it's a weird way because the psychics were like you don't have to be romantic but your counterparts and it's like okay and i was just kind of like i'll put a ring on it like why wouldn't i if i see fucking mount fuji why won't i hike it, it kinda, it's like you know it, it doesn't make sense to me Mate. but it might not go that way yeah no psychedelic i'll have to tell you about it uh, a little more uh later because she doesn't like me getting really graphic about it but it's like these, there's phenomenology that i would not have uh phenomena occurring that 
is not what I would have expected, but I guess it fits the bill. So I'm just kind of like, what the fuck? In any event, um, yeah. So you've been living there. I, I totally hear you. The land here is crazy cheap. I don't know about where you are, but like you can buy acreage and build a home for like there was a three story home that this guy was. I think he bought it or something. It's like fifty thousand bucks. The guy was offering originally for like a hundred thousand. Talking down. It's just like it's crazy. On the one hand, it's like total opportunism but at the same time i don't i don't know how not to be ex or it's not that i'm doing it but it's like how does one prevent exploitation from occurring because there's people who are native to this place like you don't want hawaii happening basically again um this kind of feels like hawaii before it popped is how silver lining here in the in the ongoing real estate boom that is happening affecting some areas of the country a lot more than others um is um that Actually, homelessness is a non-factor in Costa Rica. There's a negligible portion, in, come, again, coming from New York, where this is such a visible, visceral, and psychologically galling social, social ill, and also just a reality that confronts everybody. You know, I wasn't making a lot of money when I lived in New York. I have The reason I was well-housed was because my great-aunt had, like, bequeathed her, her one room apartment in Brooklyn Heights to my mother and I was living there. And it's like, that's how I was housed. You know, it's like that, that prospect facing down so many people, millions of people in, in New York and across the country. Um, and it's just going to get worse now. My God. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine how that bubble's going to work. It seems like we're in a, like a note, yeah. like a point of no return where, I mean, California, I haven't really been out there much lately, but, homelessness is off the charts I, I was there for about a month yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's the, not the it's American dream it's kind of dead now it, it's you know we're, we're going through the motions before the shooting starts it's a really it's a disgusting disgusting place what what uh, has been done to the American people the, the US people I like to say you know US American because we are all Americans here this is Central yep. America um, and um Anyhow, in Costa Rica, uh, there was a policy that persisted uh, into the 90s where any Costa Rican citizen, any national could claim a 500 by 500 meter plot um, in the rainforest, in the jungle, if they were to be able to pay for the road to cut, to get it, you know, get to it, if they cut a road to it. And so what that led to is like the campesinos in the backcountry, these people who don't live in San Jose, basically every single person owns land, every family. And, um, and in San Jose, people trade that for, you know, urban life, they have they, they buy they own apartments, and they own, you know, they rent at least uh, houses and stuff. But in the backcountry, it's like they trade, they trade the, the limited economic opportunity for, for, you know, major advancement outside of agriculture. Uh, but of course, tourism has changed that, that calculus tremendously um to for the security of landedness and so everybody's growing food everybody's taking coffee to market it, you know it just depends where you are coconuts coffee bananas which depends on your elevation and cacao um and uh everyone's feeding their family off their land with their yucca and their breadfruit and their you know um and their chickens and their so it's like there's Untamed. there's i'm not going to pretend like oh this is uh this is like a perfect place and that there's no issue with like you know 
um, North Americans and Europeans and Australians and whatever coming down and uh, claiming the cho- cho- like choiciest spots. But I'm just saying that the amount of, of social justice that's already the baseline here, no homelessness, not a, a nonviolent police and military. I think 400 uh, grams of any drug is know, legal, which is kind of gnarly. Um, I was kind of like, wouldn't that make a lot of cokeheads and heroin addicts? Like, <laughs> I haven't heard that one. So, oh, the, I don't, I mean, it's, uh, this isn't something I've tested, but basically uh, when I go to the beach, it's like you can go to these places with black flags, he was saying, and they're basically like police run markets for drugs. They're like, we tax this shit. I mean, I don't know all the details. Like I said, I haven't really, I've been in the, the boondocks kind of doing my own thing here. But, um, and thank God I yeah. met some, uh, guy who does tours on uh the mountains here and i guess these jungle tours or whatever and he grows weed and mushrooms i don't smoke weed anymore i haven't smoked in a while um but mushrooms i'll do i've done it like i said for a few weeks i might try to do ayahuasca here the guy we're gonna have on the podcast uh i think april 7th rafael um brian is his name the guy who has i don't even know 100 hectares or 200 hectares or whatever it is um a family property they have more ayahuasca vone than they know what to do with. I don't know if they have both the chacruna, chacruna stuff and the vines, but like he just got ayahuasca vines up the waz. It's crazy. Um, yeah, but like yeah. you're saying, not, you know, not all the. Go ahead. I didn't catch that. I was just saying, chacruna is an annual. You can grow it pretty quick. The the banisteria takes years to mature. So yeah. Yeah. So he's halfway there, and that's a market in and of itself. Although he's, he was saying, and we'll get him to talk about it more. I think he's like doing kind of old growth things, like you're talking about. Where it's like, look, these ten acres we're never going to fuck with ever, and it just kind of is sloth homes and toucans or whatever iguanas, um, which is cool. So there's this kind of conscientious nature to it. Maybe the zeitgeist is shifting. You know, you don't get new growth without uh, decay and old. Like you know, the tr- it's just like the jungles here. I mean, you cut down banana trees and you throw them down, and then out of that comes a new life right so it seems sorry for all these dogs mm-hmm. it seems uh maybe the west is collapsing but what happens after this might be interesting for people like uh native costa ricans I, uh el salvadorians there there's pockets of hope yeah. amidst the tension and chaos and psyoping and media frenzy that is trying to make you scared masked and you know <laughs> disempowered basically Exactly. Exactly. And I feel so blessed to have been here. Um, I, I'll just remind my listeners, I've told you guys uh, several times that I came here to um, produce the Elixir Bar at Envision, which I've done several times with a, a great group called the Village Witches, um, and give a week of workshops down at Thinkamorpho, really wild place. Jim, you should try to get there. You would have a I will. Kick out of that the place. dogs have gotten out again. Keep talking. I, I gotta go deal with this. <laughs> sure. Um and uh and so I came to give the, that week of workshops and um by the time I was finished with all that it was the start of March twenty twenty. I had been offered a job doing supporting in my, you know, what I had been doing previously, which was supporting environmental projects. And so I was working with a jungle project. I got, I was given a, an apartment in San Jose as part of my, my pay. And then COVID began and they shut the borders and I had a choice to make to go back to Brooklyn tail between my legs and say, okay, 
you know, give it to me, gover daddy government. Tell me, you know, <laughs> lock me down. That would have been or the worst, very worst place to be. And, uh, and go to the jungle and go to the, go to the community. And I made that, it was very difficult. It was definitely a dark night of the soul for about six weeks. I was like watching Cuomo and de Blasio, these, these numb nuts, um, both of whom are fortunately out of office at this point. Um, not that their replacements are any better. Um, and, you know, just feeling this, this empathy with my, my suffering city, my suffering home. And I was like, and I had to rip myself out of it. And it wasn't until the, uh, the full moon in May, the very start, I think it was a Waysock moon, like uh, May 6th or so. And I made a choice to, to embrace the jungle and break free. And I did it and I basically never looked back and it's been the best time in my life. And um, so just so much realization as opposed to, to immaterialization and dissipation. It's like so much bringing into the body, like, you know, from the way I eat, I, I live here with my, my partner and our cats and we cook 95% of the food that we consume, you know, we, we prepare it ourselves and um, the way we live, you know, it's like, I have this work online, but it's in between my, my work online, I'm walking the garden, picking fruit, we live at the river. So I'm swimming in the river every single day, you know, have the time and space energetically to meditate, to study, to write. And yeah, I've, I've just been, I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. And I definitely feel like, you know, I'm, it's like, we have to see, seeing beyond the current zeitgeist, seeing beyond the state um, and looking to the future of the species. And it's like, where are, the pockets of resilience where adaptation, diversity, um, and, you know, breakthrough evolution is going to occur. And I, I think I'm sitting in one of them, you know, it's obviously it's, it's not just a territorial thing, but it's like, you can set yourself up to like be in fertile ground so that you can let the strange fruits start to bloom. Yeah, I would say it appears that, I mean, these kind of spaces, I mean, they exist everywhere, of course. I, mean, I know of quite some individuals also like from German-speaking region, let's say, that basically fled from all the mandates and the craziness or the threats, let's say, of whatever. Yeah, um, But it seems, I mean, generally speaking, on a very basic level, it seems obvious that, you know, there is will be less pressure put on the cities. Maybe some people really will, you know, get chipped or whatever and become cyborgs. I, I still don't really see that reality, but okay. But it seems obvious that, you know, simply a lot more people getting into homesteading, as simple as this may sound, you know, is the whole shift basically, you know. Less reliance on the global fake denaturated wheat uh, food supply, less reliance on centralized, you know, energy systems or whatever and centralized internet control algorithms. And basically, this game is over, you know, like, <laughs> well, it's probably gonna be like human exactly. zoos. We've talked about this before, where it's like, if people want to go the cyborg route, go to Tokyo, or you know, whatever, it's like, there's gonna be options. Uh, especially watching this uh, Ghost of the Shell kind of reboot. It's not the best animation. It's kind of like, uh, reminds me of Borderlands kind of anime, uh, anime uh, the video game style art. Um, so it's not like the most high def kind of thing. But uh, the the principles are kind of something to the effect of Rafa, you should check it out. You'd like it. Um, 
I mean, it's just like post-global collapse, but it's not even a real global collapse, and they're finding that out and all sorts of crazy shit. There's going to be people that want to play certain games all the which way. And I was trying to explain that to maybe my fiance or somebody, my brother. It's like, and we've discussed this before. It's like the people who are finding themselves, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this, but if you find yourself in the middle of an Occupy Wall Street or in the middle of a protest or in the middle of a revolution or whatever, it's like your karma has led you there and your choices and your preconceptions of, you know, what you want to play the game like lead you there. Not everybody has to do that. Same token, not everybody has to go live off grid and homestead and stuff. Some people might find it, you know, some happy medium thing. I don't, I don't, hopefully it's not just extreme options. Hopefully it's not like submit to the fucking mark of the beast or else you're in your cave with a rifle. Oh, see, I'm a cat guy myself. So these dogs are like unnerving me. I'll be straight up. <laughs> They're like terrier types. I'm like, yeah, oh my God. Better, better taste, you know? like five dogs or two cats. Not even, not even, not close. even a choice. Yeah. Rafa, I, you I, have I, a cat. Yeah, you guys are winning on that front. I'll give it up to you. Um, is there anything we haven't this touched is, this upon? Bojangles. Say his name or her? Bojangles, his name. That's a good song, uh, I think. From this Bobo. <laughs> Bobo. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. My brother yeah, uses that term old, for like old, something that's not cool. Old, He's like, that's Bobo. <laughs> so we're going to spit it back. We're going to say Bobo's approved. <laughs> um, exactly. He's not cool. He's so Tell, tell us a little about what you're doing with your astrology. I know that's uh, maybe think, something we don't touch on often, but uh, tell us a little about what your services are, what your name is, what you're going by. I just saw you post something about um, Fishers of Men. With the, all this Neptunian kind of energy, it is, uh, it is we're drowning out here. But I, I don't know about you. My dream life has been ratchet since I've gotten here. I take melatonin every night, um, so that plays into it probably a little. And I don't smoke weed, so I think that plays into it a little. But um, straight up lucid dreams like like but like dojo dreams from oh like yeah. my god here we are so what have you been experiencing in the astral and tell us a little bit about your astrology stuffs cool man yeah so you know one of the focuses of uh, of this week's column so i, I write a, a weekly column called body made of stars um and uh body made of stars.com I have more recently have been focusing on the Substack because I've got about a thousand subscribers um, and using bodymadeofstars.substack.com and it's a free newsletter for anyone, which is really just a route into my my like astro poetica and um, uh, I as I call it storytelling um, and. Uh, and so I've been offering readings for several years. I've been studying this stuff for, for much longer than, it's actually probably how we first came in contact, really. Um, and, you know, I've been studying this stuff my whole life, the archetypes. Um, and then I'll also make videos twice a month um, under the same title, Body Made of Stars, uh, generally around the new moon and the full moon. So I'll, I'll make one um, this week. Uh, and I'll send it to you, Jim. Maybe you can blast it to your people. Um, and so, yeah, last week's article in this last stretch of Pisces that we're in now, you know, what one of the um, the themes, obviously, there's these, this deep dreaming of Pisces, but I'd like to pull it back to um, Venus in the forest dark, surrounded by the Maleficence. It's like, yes, Mars and Venus have been walking together but Mars is the original Maleficent along with Saturn. And Mars is, you know, aggression and war. Saturn is 
manipulation and basically cold-bloodedness cruelty and um and pluto is even darker archetypes like megadeth and plague and atrocity and so venus in aquarius is holding the seed of the aquarian consciousness holding the seed of of the new era the new aeon and she's surrounded by these monsters right now walking through this winter kind of like baby dark. moses in the reed bushes or something it's like this is a, this is dangerous territory yeah. and you got to get through this shit keep going though i didn't mean to cut not, you off not at all and um she has something they can't touch inside of her she carries inside of her the seed of a new consciousness of a new humanity a new an ancient future you know a return to actual human virtue um and natural virtue uh as opposed to mediated cybernetic military logic logical illogic you know um of all of all of these uh horrible ways of being um it's parasitism and and because they can't touch her they try to intimidate her they intimidate her through the media threats of war threats of violence threats of retribution threats of what's going to happen to you if you don't comply saturn and aquarius you know we're going to get a digital id system and you're going to be excluded because you did not comply and it's like you know or mars we're going to fucking draft we're going to outright kill people and it's like you know you better you better sign up for the war and believe in our cause it's like we have a responsibility we have the opportunity to step back from these lies and sort of to walk towards the, the the truth and this is what we're doing living in costa rica this is what we're doing it doesn't really matter where we are this is what we're doing working in web3 this is what we're doing being steadfast voices against war you know in in a, a moment where there's a call across the liberal so-called liberal consciousness you know to hate the enemy and the the, the our enemy is hitler whatever every time we're always and never mind that we killed 500,000 civilians in Libya and nobody talked about it, barely made the news. Um, and uh, so, you know, Pisces has this, what I love about Pisces, I always forget until we get here is that's a mutable sign, which means it's involved in these realms of exploration, learning and knowledge, similar to Gemini, Sagittarius and Virgo. And this is in the spiritual sense. So it's like, what an amazing time to engage with story, engage with myth, engage with ritual practices, engage with entheogens, um, but also to be moderate, you know, and to and to remember that we, you know, it's like we can get drunk. On, Temperance card stuff. And for me, it's, it's like it just, exactly. it's cool. Sex yeah. is cool, but you don't want to be a fucking die of whatever. You know, I hear you. So I mean, it's it's play with fire, but don't get burned. Yeah. Yeah, and so we're, you know, it's like the dream has to be of peace. Like the dream has to be, you know, we have to like deprogram from the fucking Marvel Universe, <laughs> Marvel Studios version of the universe, where it's like, you know, this is this is the level that like liberals are are interacting with the world on at this point. They're like, how is this world going to end? We're going to send in a team of Israeli commandos to assassinate Putin. It's like, you know, just like these 
it's just this outlandish Hollywood mediated kind of fantasy land. But hopefully you know, people start having this like, worth Flynn epiphany where it's like, I don't want to fight this situation. This isn't my war or this isn't my reason detra or whatever. Like people are starting to like you, myself to a degree, Raphael in his own way, anybody who's probably listening are trying to create the realities. And Pisces is about dreaming big with all this Aquarius Pisces are North loaded tours. We could actually birth the new Aeon, but it's gonna. There, that doesn't mean there aren't gonna be like, you know, blood and placenta are still around, and maybe you know, maybe some stretch marks and shit like that. It's like, oh god. So it's like it's a real live birth here, and it might take a little while. Um, I think when yeah. uh, Pluto goes into Aquarius, um, that'll be pretty ratchet. <laughs> That's in a couple years, but um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just, I just saw. Yeah, the I mean, thing- it's good. Raphael, is that important? Do we all have a time limit or something? Say again. Well, I know we're going to start declining and wrapping up soon, but it the top, the clock at the top is blue for me, and it wasn't blue a second ago. And I don't know if that means we have like no, 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 makes no difference. <laughs> okay, I just saw it change. Anyway, uh, yeah, keep waxing poetic, bro. Cool. Well, one thing that we're we're coming up on, um, you know, Pisces season is super powered this year with with the. Jupiter and Neptune, both in their rulership. Um, and, you know, I just love to see people's expansion. And I and I think one of the, the realms that there's a definite um, space to expand into is what Mackenzie is doing, what my, what my, my beautiful um, partner is, is creating with her Mama Psychedelia podcast. And you'll have her on the show uh, in a month or two. I just harassed um, her about that because I saw you and, gushing on her about her. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's like get it going. I mean, it's I, don't, I haven't heard it yet, but if she's yeah, a couple of why I'm, well, like, what's that? What's that? Perfect. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hit her up earlier today and I was like, you got to come on, whatever, whatever. And she's down. So we'll get that figured out. But yeah, uh, I'll let her obviously tell her story, but kind of keep going with what you're saying. She's kind of pushing into, I guess, maybe. Uh, how would I put it? Uh, it seemed like what you were saying was like um, normalization of certain practices of entheogenic use meets like progressive culture. Or how would you look at that? Motherhood, motherhood, and parenthood, and it's and it's it's um, you know opening the door to tell the story of entheogenic psychedelic motherhood, not just through plant medicine, it's through breath work, through ecstatic birthing, you know, but it's like this process of bringing new souls into the world is so inherently psychedelic you know the fact that like a woman's body becomes the vessel for a new consciousness wherever we're coming exactly really incredible my my indigenous teacher Ilarian merkuliev koyuks um describes that in very in very beautiful terms and and it says that uh, correspondently that the age that is coming is going to be the age of women, you know, where we remember them as the center of the circle. Um, and that, that life giving potency, um, you know, being like a black hole (laughs) through which like a portal that, that like, you know, through the eye of the, the Taurus, you know, through the eye of the, the Horus, whatever, you know, it just comes straight through a new consciousness and so Pisces is a time to remember that. And I think Venus and Pisces will be, maybe we'll get to start to taste some of the honey of 2022 because it's like the lies are just coming thick and fast now. 
you know, and the bombs. It's like they're, you know, they're not going to let up. But why? It's the same reason as a scandemic, because a new consciousness is rising. One that is unafraid of their bullshit. Can't stop, and, won't stop. Uh, I mean, it's coming whether they like it or not. And they're kind of last ditch effort. Like, all right. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like uh, that one Harry Potter movie with that, a teacher's, uh, I forget her name, but um, towards the end of the series, the lady in pink who takes over for Dumbledore. Um, and she's putting all these rules on the walls. It's just like, it's getting fascist real quick. And it doesn't hold. Uh, the center, the new center's, are, are coming um keep going with what you're saying I, I we could start wrapping up if you want i know i'm hungry i'm starting to get hungry uh and i'm starting to get bug bites I just, uh, uh, you, saw, you uh, saw me make my leftovers at the start at the top yeah, of the hour triggered um, me. Uh, yeah i mean i get I, I love hanging with you guys um and uh yeah jim i mean I, uh we will we'll take this offline but i want to get you you know, the, the choicey wrecks for, for Costa Rica and even for La Fortuna. I don't know if you've been to uh, um, Termalitas. There's like a $5, like all day hot as all fuck hot spring, like super duper hot. It's great. Um, and it's like, you know, that usually you have to pay $120 at some stupid spa resort to, to get this. But it's like, this is the place where the Costa Ricans go. Um, and uh and I just have seen a lot of really special, like off the beaten track places. And of course, where I live is not a tourist destination. Um, yeah. And it's called, you know, it's the Rio Chiripo, and it's it's very special place um, where, yeah, it's kind of like the community is growing up here, filtering ourselves out, and um, and yet there's in this entire valley, probably. 5,000 humans and 1,000 gringos, you know, 4,000 Ticos and 1,000 gringos. It's like not a lot of people live up here. The river, yeah, I get in and, and you can drink out of it. You know, it's so it's so clean. Well, um, if I don't meet up with you this so trip, you to come. I'll be coming back. Yeah, I was going to say, we got to cross paths, dude. You've been down here for a hot minute. Uh, you're cool yeah, as yeah, fuck. you're headed all the way south. From, from the sound of it, it's like you you're, might be headed for, to Pavonas if you're going to the best left in all of Costa Rica, um, that great surf wave down, down in the very South. Um, and that's, yeah, you kind of got to pass by my, my neck of the woods to get to from where you are to there. Um, and yeah, where to leave it guys. I mean, just like anyone who's ready to, um, stop standing on the side of the pool and, and dive into web three. Um, not to make a quick buck. It's not, it's like, what I like to tell people is that for every hour you are, you spend learning this space and making mistakes and, and having success, um, you're paying your future self a thousand dollars an hour, you know, your 2025 self, 2026 self, because it's still so early. It's like the mass adoption is on its way, but it's, it's not at full send, you know, there's maybe uh, less than a million people on earth who have the skill set that I have at this point. And, you know, where, where there's like maybe 6 million of us that are really like engaged with the DeFi space. And then there's like, you know, it filters down. Um, and so I really encourage people to get started, start playing around, experiment, not just because of its ability to generate um, wealth that can set you free from the slave system, 
just big that's a big carrot on the end of the big stick um but but also because it um is inherently anti-imperial and it's like the energy that you put into that is energy that you're fucking taking and robbing from jp morgan and the federal reserve and boeing and lockheed martin and raytheon and all these death dealers and putin and all these fucks um and ng and all all these assholes and whoever's running australia and, and trudeau and all these fuckheads <laughs> and and it's energy that you're giving to the community of of human beings you know and it's like the the one of the coolest things i found in that space is that it's cooperative collaborative supportive like when you get in these discords it's not like oh i made more money than you i'm better than you it's like no oh you're new how can i help you get started like, do you need gas fees? Do you need a, a tutorial? Like, here's what I here's what I've been checking, you know, because the more that it's like, it, it breaks the rules of capitalism, because it's like, it's collaborative by nature. It's not competitive. It's like the better one, the better I do, you know, the better he does. It's like, we, we can build each other up. And um, so I love that. And I think it's also really important as we as we deterritorialize decentralize our lifestyles and get back to nature it's like we can have the best of both worlds where i can make a silicon level silicon valley income while being as far away energetically and, and spatially and spiritually from the ethos of like these cookie cutter suburbs of silicon valley um as possible so you know yeah invite anyone if they're they're hearing this uh, and they want to get started to reach out i do sessions i you know it's like i try for them but um it's super affordable and also um to uh connect and yeah follow body made of stars body made of stars.substack.com uh and i'll i'll share the video with you in a, a couple of days jim when i i take it live on the the full moon it's coming up that's what's up yeah, guys, it's a uh, brave new world out here. Hopefully we get on a good saddle and ride into the sunset. Daft Punk reminds me of a song. I think it's called uh, Dream, potentially off of Random Access Memories. So very Piscean, uh, Neptune conjunct sun. Um, there's no such thing as competition. To find a win, we lose control. So it's about that the central control system has. I mean, this is how you participate. Potentially, uh, maybe everybody has different roles or whatever, but this is a functional, practical uh feet on the ground kind of way to be part of a revolution of consciousness it doesn't mean you have to go live in a mud dub hut and not speak english ever again there's ways you know there's ways to fight the system without um literally like you, you don't have to totally reset and i guess now in these next few years especially with the astrology for the past few but probably for the next couple as well we're not out of it yet um people are deciding what their destiny will hold so you have more power than you think never forget it uh, we tend to get very disempowered in these times and even astrology, you can look at it in a, almost a disempowering way and hope people don't do that. I know you don't necessarily probably do that, but you are participating with the dream. No, it's storytelling, baby. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, better it's, it's descriptive, <laughs> not predictive. Yeah. Descriptive, not, pro, not proscriptive, descriptive. And so we're, we're, we're telling the stories. Why are we doing that? because we know that time never ends there is no fucking end we're just we're riding the waves and we're and working with the cycles and we yes we can know the future yes we can see 
you know, we all knew what the fuck was coming in 2020. We didn't know that it was going to manifest out of the... <laughs> yeah, we knew was viral. faking was coming. Did, we didn't we know knew the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, no shit, you know, this battle. This really sucks. Oh god. I mean, we uh, were, but, I was talking about that shit from the time we started studying astrology. We were talking about January 2020 as as the inflection, um, you know, of the maleficence. And um yeah, you know what I want to end on though, guys? I have a question for y'all. Obviously, Jim, you're you're uh lavishing your first few weeks of Costa Rican produce, so I'm sure I had a lot of uh, answers to this question. Rafael, I never thought, I never forgot how you grew gynostema in your windowsill, and, and so um, just, just to get a little bit of herb talk, huge part of my life, I'm actually in one of my herb counters, and it's got like hundreds of, of members, you know, just like racks of dried, yeah. powdered, you know, uh, whatever. Um, what are your what are your allies right now? Well, Jim, what are your, you what are your start. Favorite plants. What's your, oh, what's your uh, Colombian strain of uh, oh, I was gonna say Colombian mushrooms. They're grown by this guy. Uh, really class. Uh, melatonin. Uh, in terms of food, dude, I am living on pineapples hard. They're cheaper here. Uh, now I got to think about. I I think I'm getting them from the organic place, so I'm not really worried about pesticides particularly. But it's like. Uh, I've lived in Hawaii for a while, and I've driven through the Maui. Say what? Go when you're buying pineapples, look for the little little ones, and the more red they are, the less that likely they are to be sprayed too. Word, I'll check that out. Yeah, pineapples are dope. I mean, it's it's just kind of a cornucopia of stuff. The bananas here are smaller, but they're real bananas. They're kind of just grown all over the property. Um, but that's the thing that's really throwing me. I'd say pineapples are like my theme song right now. <laughs> well, I'd say I'm still mainly You're living on life. still mainly living on cacao and shilajit. So you know, <laughs> and funnily enough, recently I've been eating mangoes. Not sure where they came from, but you know, it's kind of sad when you you get you know softer mangoes here than in India if you're there at the wrong time. But you know. Whatever globalization, yay! <laughs> and CBD. I brought a bunch of CBD yeah, that I got from the states. Uh, that's something I don't smoke weed, but CBD uh, about sixty milligrams three times a day, twenty milligrams really lubricates my mind, body, uh, keeps me going. I'm not as herbally aware as you are. Seeing that shelf, it's like, dude, we gotta have like a fucking uh, Hufflepuff episode or oh, something. Yeah, with yeah it's me because he's an earth worker and and I'm an herbalist and. We make medicines. We, you know, I brought, I just was in New York for a few weeks. So I brought a bunch back and, and Raphael, of course, we're on the same page. I, I can eat this shit for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Have you heard of the stone blood? I, I, this fall at Burning Man, um, and went to the Renegade and we went to a shilajit ceremony. We actually, we ended up at a, a shilajit ceremony and is with this dude who's, one of two people in North America doing North American extracted shilajit from from the Rocky. How much did you eat for a shamanic dose of shilajit? I'm curious. Oh man, um, we were vibrating. It was like uh, he was he was instructing us. We were getting like thick dips on our thumb, uh, putting it on the roof of our mouth. And that's how he recommended it. And so not even that much in the terms of dose, more than usual, but still it was the method of application that really made it freaky. 
And I, I love the taste so much. And then Mackenzie's like more sensitive to bitters. And she was like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, she's down for it, but it's just different for her. You know, yeah, well, it's one, this is definitely an acquired taste. Yeah, psychedelic experiences and shamanic experiences usually include some sort of an ego death. So, you know, fits the bill, I guess. It happens. Well, uh, that's a great way to end it, uh, guys. I appreciate y'all both coming on here, holding space. It looks like my Wi-Fi is normal now. Nothing, no glitches now. What the fuck was that all about? Yeah, um, it, yeah it always works. But uh, we just got to ride the waves. So we'll get your girl on here ASAP, Sam, Samuel, Sam. I don't know which one you want to go by. Thanks so much for coming on. We got to meet up in the flesh if possible soon. Uh, one of these trips for sure. Get Ralph out here. Uh, I was tell- I was like, dude, it's not that crazy. We could start a retreat center out here. It's not like unfathomable. It's, I mean, and to do something like that in the States, depending on where you live, it's like good luck. Like you're going to have to have a lot of money and No, this is, it's very fathomable. It is doable. Yeah. yeah. At least it's to nuts. host a now yeah. that's something or, that yeah, yeah. Host it, or even just um buy a plot of land with a bunch of people and be like look we all just take turns kind of airbnb there's all sorts of options i mean it depends on how bougie one wants to get i guess but uh yeah thanks for coming on enjoy the shilajit Raphael. get some sleep and we'll talk soon further up and further in y'all thank you so much sam for joining catch you next time